Welcome back to the third episode of Two Average Husbands. I'm your host, Jake. I'm your host, Kyle. Welcome back, everybody. All right, Kyle, what are we drinking this week? All right. Against my better judgment, I fell uh, to the peer pressure of Jake, and we're going to be doing seltzers this week, which he already has texted me and told me he regretted after the fact, even though it was his idea. So, of course, like doing this podcast has got me back into like drinking beer and stuff like more frequently. And so, of course, I've been like looking at all of these places around me that sell have like phenomenal beer selections, phenomenal stout selections. So, of course, I went to one and bought like 12 different stouts that I want to try after I had already told Kyle we were doing seltzers this week. So, yes, we are drinking seltzers. Uh, My first seltzer this week is Fruit Smash Hard Seltzer. It's a pink lemonade hard seltzer. Um, uh, I'm going to assume that Fruit Smash is the company. Um, I'm not 100% sure. They have a hashtag, sorry for seltzering on their cans. And this is ringing in at 4.7% alcohol. And more importantly, it is (laughs) gluten-free. I just realized that I didn't have the uh, document uploaded. So it's Fruit Smash. Hard seltzer, pink lemonade flavor. I did upload this now, the Excel spreadsheet, so people can see the... uh, all of our beers at some point in time. So Jake and I can both access this now and we can update it and get things uh, available for the audience as well in terms of our rankings of the beer. I don't know when exactly or how we're going to publish that, maybe just on Twitter or something every week uh, with the updates. But we are keeping a running list of all the different things that we're trying so that everybody else can take a look at them too. Uh, But this week, I'm going to go... I'm going to do this one first. I just got all mine sitting here already. But I'm going to do the Belgian Beaver Hard Seltzer Raspberry and Blackberry. So I think the I think the Binnies I went to to get these seltzers actually had I think they they actually had Belching Beaver there. I'd have mm-hmm. to double check when I go back there. I tried yeah. to grab a few and I let Jess pick out a couple for me. I ended up getting like five different seltzers just because I know I'll drink them. But uh, first crack. I also uh, Kyle went up to me last week by having a glass, so I went up to him this week with a frosted. Stella Artois mug, which as you can kind of see on there, you really can't see if I get into the light, right? It's engraved with my name and that's my wife's signature of my name actually on there. So that's pretty cool. He's so friggin' cool. (laughs) On the pour, it's actually pink. Yeah, this is definitely, definitely pink. Not something I was expecting. I'm not going to lie, but. So I'm not excited for this at all. I don't like seltzers. I just caved to the peer pressure. I don't, I, I think I ranted about this on our first episode or maybe it was last it week. Was, we yeah, it was last week. But it's like, it is flavored water to me that they just yeah. threw some, you know, I, I just don't get it. But. It's alcoholic flavored water, man. Hey, cheers. Oh, it's flat. <laughs> Even though it's fizzing, it is flat and it tastes terrible. Here, why don't you do this? Why don't you go grab the soda stream that you guys have? <laughs> give it give it a couple blasts real quick oh man yeah, this is just this isn't good <laughs> this is not good hey man i texted you like an hour ago i said let's do stouts and you said too bad so sad well they're in my fridge man i gotta get rid of them now i'm hoping yeah. some of these other ones will be better because i have had seltzer seltzers that are like fine to me this just this ain't it it's 5.5 percent though since i didn't say that and uh, again it's the belgian beaver hard seltzer raspberry and blackberry which i love all of the uh, Belgian beaver beers that I've had so far, just seltzers, not the same, clearly. Yeah, I'm definitely much more of a seltzer guy than our friend Kyle here, but 
Um, let's move right into our topics of conversation for this week. So, Kyle, you made me go first last week. So, sure did. After uh, after you, good sir. All right, man. I'm gonna type this in because I can't do two things at once uh, for my own, and then I will do that for you. Uh, in the meantime, while I'm typing and you're just staring at me typing, uh, feel free to again uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Both of them, uh, same handle. So at number two AVG Husbands. Uh, on both platforms there. And then we're also available on Spotify now as well. So again, appreciate it. And we'll say it every week. Thanks for everybody that's already following us there and showing us some support. Uh, we don't know how big this is ever going to be, but we're having fun with it. So hopefully some other people are enjoying it too. Yeah, man. Worst case scenario, this gives us a reason to get together every week, have a couple conversations and have a few drinks. So, you know, even if we're yeah. never Joe Rogan, you know, <laughs> I'll take hey, We're it. having fun. That's what matters. Exactly. So both of my, my topics this week are pretty related. Um, you'll kind of see, obviously, as I go from one to the other, and I can start either way and it'd be fine. Like they would flow together, which we're just going to have your topic to break up my two awesome topics. So that's fine. But uh, the first one that I want to start with, I'm going to kind of give us a minute to take a look and then we can rank them as we want. But I want to look at the top 10 EVs on the market right now. And I want them us to rank them uh, based on physical appearance really only. Okay. Uh, if you want to do like price to performance or price to appearance, I guess, for lack of... Uh, of a better description there you can but uh, i've been looking at this a little bit today while i was prepping for it because and the biggest reason for me is that i'm looking right now at uh, potentially getting a model three uh, as soon as uh, the legislation goes through to start getting more tax incentives towards tesla but so do you have a specific top 10 list that we're going off of or i have a feeling most of the ones online are the same so if you look one up and then we have something different when we look at these uh let me know and we can uh, kind of just talk about each one and we can look it up on the side if we have, like I said, one that's different from each other's lists. Yeah. So I pulled up the list that I have is from Top Gear. They have their top 15 electric cars. Okay, I'll get that uh, one to you. Give me a second. Well, go ahead and look at it. But well, it doesn't have, and of course, right off the bat, doesn't already have one that I would want to rank in the top 10. So <laughs> I guess we're going to have to like, uh, this is one of the clickbait ones too. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Top Gear. Clickbait. No, thank yeah. you. Well, you got all, they got all my, I'm going to go to motor trend, which is the next one on my list. I'm going to pull this one up. I was looking at a couple on my phone earlier, but yeah, this one will work for me. Is it the best electric cars top rated? Yeah. So best electric cars, they have seven. I'm just going to use that as my seven instead of 10. And I'll talk through those. I know some other electric cars as well off the top of my head. So if you come put... up with other ones that you want to talk about too, we can just add some additionals into the list. All right. So we're going off of looks, you said, mostly. I 100% on looks because from what I've seen, uh, most of these are not going to be, there's not a huge variation in terms of the performance. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the batteries are kind of catching up to each other now. And sure, you can pay like premiums through Tesla or uh, name your brand and you can get the additional mileage unlocks or whatever that they're doing. But for the most part, the like stock manufacturer battery life that you're going to get is somewhere in the mid like 200 miles. So mm -hmm. I'm not looking for that. So mostly it's like if I'm going to get the same performance and the same range out of my vehicle for the most part or, you know, within a percentage point, I'd rather get the one that looks the best. Right. Me personally. So. Oh, man. So, I mean, for me, if we're going like strictly off looks... I can tell you what my top two are off the bat without even really having to look into it at all. Probably even my top three, honestly. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, so my number one is the BMW i8. 
Um, it was one of BMW's first electric cars, at least one of their first widely available electric cars. And it's always been one of my favorites ever since they were released. Um, you know, it, look, it gives you more of the supercar look. It's got the, you know, the, the doors that open up sideways, similar to some of the Teslas. Um, you know, it's just always been a car that I've, I've personally really liked. Um, number I'm two, assuming you're looking, you're including the luxury ones in your rankings. Anyway, oh yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, so then my number two is the, uh, the Porsche Taycan. Um, again, you know, it's a, it's a luxury car. It's a, it's a Porsche. Um, it's obviously going to be one of the more, you know, prestigious looking of the group there. Um, but I've, again, it's just an, a thing, you know, I've always really liked Porsche cars. Um, one of my favorite cars of all time is the Porsche GT3. Um, or GT3 RS. Um, it's just personally like the the sleekness of it, the style of it. You can tell that you're driving a fancy car with it. Um, they handle really well too. I've luckily had the opportunity to drive a couple um, at, at various different uh, track days that I've gone to. So that's always been, you know, a really fun experience. And I've just always liked, you know, the workmanship that they put into the car. You can really tell that it, it's a thing. Um, and then for me, number three is the, uh, the Tesla Model X. Um, for whatever reason, I love it. Um, it looks like they, you know, like took it a sedan and just kind of pulled it up a little bit, but yeah. I've, again, it's another car that I've actually been inside of. And just from the outside of it, the inside of it, like, it feels like you're in a spaceship, the, the sunroof that goes basically all the way to the back of the car. Like, it's just an experience that you really have to have seen it in real life to truly appreciate what it is. You know, it's, it's, again, it's one of my favorite cars. If I could buy a Tesla, this would be the Tesla that I would buy. Like I would save the extra money to be able to perform one of, to purchase one of these. Nah, dude, not me. I agree with you that in terms of looks, like uh, the comparison there, if it's just a sedan, they kind of like propped up a little bit. So like, what are you really gaining, man? Like you're getting some extra headroom with some, like a different style door to me. Like, yeah, it's a little, I mean, it's a little bit of a bigger car, which is something that I like. Like my, my current car, um, I drive a 2015 Hyundai Genesis and that's basically what it is. It's like a really big sedan. It's like a very big bodied car. It's just something that I personally like in vehicles. Really okay. all it is. Fair enough. I'm trying to see too, because for whatever reason, uh, the MSRP for the Model 3 is not showing up for me. I just wanted to look at the comparison. As I said, I think the MSRP for the Model 3 is... uh from 37490 okay so at 37490 as opposed to your model but you're paying like almost well you're paying more than double uh to get a vehicle that you're getting some more headspace in in my opinion which is why i'm like eh, okay i'm not so sold there yeah i mean uh, i i definitely get it i think if i'm not mistaken i think the the model x does have a little bit more power as well um, sure, so yeah. it's a little bit faster. I think the range is a little bit bigger. Um, the technology in it obviously is, you know, a little bit more updated, especially if you, especially if you look at like the new model that they're releasing, which yeah. has like the half steering wheel, which I personally would hate, but I do think it looks pretty cool. It's got a 17 inch screen, um, as kind of the dashboard there for those in the rear of the vehicle. It's got a screen for them as well. Two wireless charging ports, you know, it's got, quite a bit of features that you don't necessarily get in the model three, but the model three, you know, it is the budget version of, of the Tesla lineup for a reason. Yeah, it still yeah. does everything that you needed to do as yep. a Tesla. It's just, I like having the extra shop. I've learned with, that's one thing that I've really learned with cars. I've had, you know, old, I've had old trucks. I've had newer sedans. I've had, you know, the cheapest of cheap and I've had now a luxury car 
having the luxuries in the car is really a life-changing thing for me. You know, having a heated steering wheel, having heated seats, having Apple CarPlay, like these things, you don't, until you have them, you don't realize how nice they are. The funny thing though about that is like you move out of the Midwest and most of what you just said becomes unnecessary. (laughs) Right. Like I have heated seats that don't get used, right? Like I have some of those extra amenities in my current car that I hate, by the way. Uh, I have an Impala that I just, it is the most like boring sedan on the planet. It just does not do it for me. Uh, but it's got some features that you would consider like the nice features that you'd have in a car if you're going to go buy one today. But that that doesn't add anything to me. I still hate that car. You know what I mean? But you would hate it more if it wasn't somewhat nice on the inside. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I don't doubt that like you need to have some sort of an amenity to to especially pay as much as you're going to pay for an electric vehicle right now. But at the same time, I'm talking like mostly looks here. Right. Uh, because a lot of these... Dude, the market's going to get so competitive now, especially with uh, the concept of bringing back some of these electric vehicle credits and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, there's and that and just in general, like the the pressure from the community at large is to move towards EVs, right? So every manufacturer is starting to look to get there by like 2030, 2050 timeframe. Right. And because of that, we're just going to have tons of competition, which means you're probably going to get a lot of those amenities in a lot of these cars. True. Definitely. I mean, especially when you look at like, you know, Ford is coming out with an electric version of the Mustang. Like, you know, you're going to see out, right? You can, you can, is buy it? It, I think, I think so. Uh, probably. Um, I haven't looked at cars in a while, but you know, you, when you're seeing companies like that, oh yeah, the Ford Mustang Mach-E, which I have to admit kind of looks like the Model X. Yeah. I think it's awful. Now that, now that I'm actually looking at it, I don't, I like it until you get to the grill where it tries to be a Mustang. Like Dude, that's the just, funniest thing to me. I think if you don't call it a Mustang, it's an appeal, like an appealing vehicle. Yeah. And if you don't force the front of it to look like a Mustang, I that's feel like that's awesome. the thing that car manufacturers do is they try and write out their names for too long. Oh yeah. Like we get it. The Mustang, it's one of the greatest selling cars of all time. It's one of the most popular muscle cars in American history, but like th- that ain't a Mustang. Like to me, a Mustang are like the V8, 500 horsepower models that I see at dealerships in the winter because they realize their owners realize you can't drive a 500 horsepower real wheel drive car in the, in the snow all winter. I do think this is based on their website. This looks like it's pre-production imaging and that mm-hmm. you can only pre-order right now. I'm not sure if you can actually own these right now. Gotcha. Cause in the image that I'm seeing, it says available late summer, 2021. So it should be soon that you're going to start seeing these on the road, but there you go. I don't get it. But uh, I'm going to start going down some of my list and I'm, I'm going to stay more on the economy side of the house because I don't think most people are going to go out and even though like, obviously, you know, obviously the, the Audi or whatever car is going to look a little better. I don't think that most people are going to pay for that. So right. my rankings are going to be based on what I would pay for to enter the market. And I think clearly as we've kind of already gone down the road with and why it's number one, uh, it's already pretty close to being number one for me to just go ahead and pull the trigger on once the tax credit comes back. And that's the model three. The biggest thing that I think deters me from it, and I've seen these all over the road now. And I just, I think they're an, an awesome car uh, in terms of looks, you have to pay a little bit of extra money to get some of those things. Like I think the default rims on the vehicle are hideous. Uh, and then the only paint that you can get without paying to upgrade is white. And I'm not a huge fan of it. I think it's okay. Yeah, uh, but the thing that actually bugs me the most about the vehicle, and it shouldn't probably bug me that much, 
but I think it's kind of frustrating to me. And I think it's probably just a, a product of like the way that they were going originally and kind of how they've gone away from this now, but you have to pay to get one of the other, like, you know, one of the other models to get a gauge cluster. And I don't understand that. Like, you have your one like mid screen there that's sitting off to the side and that's it. And I think it's nice. Like it still looks sleek and everything, but for me, it's just going to be so weird to try to like, adjust to the fact that I have to look to my right to even see how fast I'm going or, you know, like what my battery mm. level is, I guess, in this case, and just a little strange, but it's not enough of a deterrent for me to not want to buy it. So I still think it's a super slick looking car. It's one of those quality of life things that you just, you have to make that determination on whether you pay extra yeah. for it. Yeah. And the next, you know, it's not on my list because I think it's too expensive, but the model S is basically the same thing as the model three. It's just looks a little bit sleeker. And you get the gauge cluster, but you're paying double. <laughs> you know what I mean? So sure. I don't I don't think that's worth the the cost to upgrade to that slight increase in, you know, luxury if you want to call it that, or just amenity or however you want to look at a gauge right. cluster. Because to me it's like you've never not had a gauge cluster, so it shouldn't really be considered an amenity. True. Yeah, no, I definitely get that. Uh and you know, I I agree with your rankings too. Like you do have to obviously in it to an extent you know, look at the money component of things. Um, you know, Tesla was always considered like a, a luxury thing until they really released the Model 3. And that really gave people an affordable option to get into the EV market. And I think that's what, what forced a lot of these other manufacturers to really start putting out electric models. Yeah, 100%, dude. Uh, the next one on my list, uh, just based on the economy level entry, like I said before, is actually the the Hyundai Iconic or Ionic, excuse me is the next one uh, because I think it looks the most uh, comparable to like kind of like your traditional sedan. Mm -hmm. So for like people that are going to enter the market, this is going to be like probably the smoothest transition for people to shift over from uh, visibly from one kind of car to the other. I think it looks clean. Uh, Hyundai in general has honestly just done a a good job of upgrading the look of their vehicles to make them more appealable to a wider consumer base. Uh, That and they're like, super super uh competitive in terms of pricing in almost every category so i think uh it's a it's a nice looking car uh, just for that entry level i might be the biggest hyundai stan in america my family yeah. my my dad bought so my dad was always a german guy so he had he had a couple different bmws for as long as i can remember and then i want to say it was around 2010 or 11 is when hyundai up basically did their real big facelift, um, you know, kind of modernizing a lot of their vehicles. And they came mm-hmm. out with the Sonata hybrid and the Sonata yeah. hybrid was the first one that my dad bought. And he has not had anything but a Hyundai since yeah. after, after that one, he upgraded to a newer version cause he always leases his cars. So he gets one pretty frequently. So yeah. he had one of those, he went to the Genesis. He had the same Genesis that I have uh, in 2018. He got another Genesis when his lease was up. And now he drives a Genesis G70, you know, basically a BMW M series knockoff that Hyundai made. But, you know, they make really good cars. And I think a lot of people are finally starting to see that. Like my car is a luxury sedan. It's got all of the features that you would find in these fancy German cars for a fraction of the cost. If I wanted to go buy a 2015 I'll look it up right now even. So if I wanted to go by like a 2015 BMW, we'll call it like an M5. That's probably the most similar BMW to my car. Like even a 2015, you are looking at anywhere from just off of a quick search, 40 to 60,000. 
for that yeah. car. And yep. you can go out and buy a 2015 Hyundai Genesis. And we'll do a 3.8 sedan because that's what I have. You can go out and buy those right now from 17 to 22,000. Yeah, and you're getting wild. basically Just, all of the same features. You're getting yeah. it's a 3.8 liter V8, like your or V6. You're still getting 300 plus horsepower out of the car. You're getting everything that you want out of a luxury car at half a half or a third of the cost. Yeah, it's it's wild to me just how much more amenities that people have added into the low end car market that have just made them so much more appealing to the to everybody. And honestly, a lot of the time too, now people are so accustomed to just being able to sell off their name that their warranties and everything are just trash. Like you get terrible warranties on some of these vehicles and then you end up paying a ton of fucking money on maintenance. And you look at like a Hyundai and it's going to give you like a five year fucking hundred some odd thousand mile warranty, like from bumper to bumper. And it's like, yeah, that's absolutely appealing to me. Yeah. yeah. When I bought mine, so obviously mine was, mine was a lease turn in when I bought it. Um, so it had like 36,000 miles on it and it was listed at like that, that chart basically mentioned there, which kind of goes to show how the value holds on the car too. It was listed at like 22 after warranties and everything. I paid a little bit more than that, but I have a, a 10 year bumper to bumper on my car. All of the electronics are covered. My oil changes are covered. If I get a flat tire, they replace it for me. If my key fob stops working, they replace it for me. Like, yep. and I barely paid anything extra for it. It's yeah. The Hyundai is absolutely killing it right now. I even get a bunch of emails of like this. They constantly are running like sales on the base models of their cars, their SE yeah. models. Yep. And you can lease the things for a hundred bucks a month. You put two or three grand down and you pay a hundred bucks a month for your car. It's insane. Yeah. Like that value can't yeah. like you pay more than that a month to buy like a $10,000 used car and you're getting that in a three-year lease on a, 20, a 2020 or 2021 model and you're getting basically all of the features that most people need in a car. Yeah, dude, it's, it's super that. impressive to me. And then it's like even somebody like my mom, right? Like my mom has never bought a new car in her life and now she has a Hyundai and it's a super nice little car that she was able to pay for at a super entry level price. And there's just as many amenities as probably more than she's ever had in a vehicle. Yeah. I mean, Jess, so Jess, I was trying to get her to buy a Hyundai when she bought her previous car, um, when we were still dating before we got married and she wouldn't listen to me. She was like, I don't want a Hyundai. Blah, it's blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then sure enough, it's two or three years down the road. She's starting to look at a new car because her, her car was just getting up there in miles, even though it was a Subaru Forester. The thing yeah. would have lasted forever. But yeah. again, after being in my car so much, she wanted those features. So yeah. she went and bought a Hyundai, uh, Hyundai Tucson, basically fully loaded. And the thing was, it's the same monthly price that she was paying for at the time, a 30 some thousand dollar Subaru Forester. Yeah. It's, it's, you, you can't beat Hyundais right now. Like, honestly, like there's not a car that I would rather own than a Hyundai unless I had millions of dollars. And then Dude, I you know what I think the most one. underrated feature of a modern car is right now? Blind spot indicators. Yes. It's like Jess's, the one feature that I'll never be able to live without again. Jess's car has it, mine doesn't. So if I'm driving her car too much, I get in my car and then I have to like remember that my car is not gonna <laughs> beep at me if I like if there's somebody in my blind yeah, spot. It's, it's it, awesome. it really is like again, it's one of those things where like you pay for what you get, you pay for these amenities a little bit. And dude, I think uh, just to kind of tap on the end of my list here, and I guess we're just going to kind of call it a top three because we're just going to kind of tap into some of these other ones. Just 
uh, naturally as we kind of talk about things. But I think the Jaguar I-Pace is probably the one luxury one that I will say that I would actually go after, like maybe invest more money. Because right. for a Jaguar, their entry price is only 69000 which is the same as a Model S. And I think it's a better looking car, actually. Yeah. So that so would be I, the last one in my top three. I made a top five list because I was looking at this and there was no way I was going to get through 10. The I-Pace is my five. I, again, kind of the same thing you're saying. Like, I think it's a really nice looking car. It's very unique too. Like a lot of the other cars, I, I feel like you can compare them to other offerings that the companies have or yeah. even just other cars that are out there on the market. But the I-Pace is very <laughs> unique looking to me. Um, I like it a lot. And then my four on the list was actually the Hyundai Kona Electric. I personally am a huge fan of the Kona. If you're not familiar with it, it's like a little crossover, um, kind of almost like a like a hatchback, but a little bit bigger. Um, Jess was actually Jess actually loves them. She was going to get one of those until she realized it wasn't going to be enough space for our dogs. Um, but yeah. it's it's a really nice looking car. It looks just the the electric version looks just like. Um, the version that you can buy that's got the full gas motor to it. And again, this is one that really hits that affordability cost thing. Yep. You know, with the, with the Kona, you're, it's it's MSRP starts at 20500 So you really are getting, you know, a much more affordable option there. Um, and, you know, obviously you're going to get all the benefits of being an electric vehicle. Dude, the biggest thing for me is that I just, I don't, I'm not an SUV person. So I'm looking for something in the, in the sedan market really. Cause right. that's, there's not like, a lot of two seater, you know, coupes that you're going to find for a, an EV. And honestly, like I'm not, I'm not 19 anymore. So I don't need to haul ass in my vehicle anyway, yeah. you know? So I'm not trying to get like a super sports car or anything in my life. I'm just trying to get something that makes sense. And I think, I still think, I, I think the Tesla model three is unbeatable. And that's why I'm, I'm just, yeah. I am heavily convinced that that is the one that I'm going to aim for if, when I do decide to make the jump into the EV market. But we'll see, things can change a lot over the next, you know, year or so while i'm still making my decisions so who knows for sure yeah i'm i'm right there with you though like i when i was looking at when i bought my car i really wanted to go electric and it was right around the time that the model 3 was being released yeah. but based on just my living situation you know i wasn't able to get a, a an electric charger installed and i wasn't yep. going to try and rely on at the time the like 10 chargers that were within a 50 mile radius of me it yep. just doesn't make a lot of sense um, but I, you know, Jess and I have talked about it a lot and it's definitely like an electric vehicle is definitely something that's on my radar moving forward. Yep. hundred percent. And I think, like I said, as we see the, the competition continue to e increase, I think most people are going to start, you know, uh, switching their sights onto some sort of an electric vehicle. Uh, and then, yeah, I'll save some of the other things, my comments that I have here for, for another topic, but I, yeah, I'm excited about the, the competition just to make first of all drive like we were already talking about amenities up hopefully and prices down and uh we'll see what that does to the market as a whole once it starts to happen for sure all right now that we're through the first topic and i've already finished mine let's I'll get a ranking mine. oh dude 2.0 this thing sucks you know what I I, that's higher than i thought you were gonna give it um so as kyle pointed out last week it's kind of hard to put all of these things on their own scale um I'm trying to compare what I just drank to like White Claws and Trulies and the Corona Seltzers of the world. As you can tell, we tried to go with a little bit more out there brands as well. We didn't want to stick to like those big ones that you can get at every single store in the country. Um, so that one's obviously a little bit unique. I'd never seen it before. But that to me was probably better than most of the White Claws that I've had. Um, the lemonade taste wasn't too overpowering. 
it was a lot like a lot of those unsweetened lemonades where it's like the lemon juice um, and like carbonated water is really the best way I can describe that, which I, if you love soda water, you're going to like that. I'll give that. <laughs> like, I hate that. I hate that that's the appeal. You're like, if you love soda water, you're going to love this drink. I'm like, it's no, it's no, water? it's no different than drinking a vodka soda. Oh no, that's not. It's just, it's a, true. it's a less al- alcoholic vodka soda. Yeah. Who wants that? If I'm drinking vodka soda so I can get hammered probably. So if I'm going to drink a less alcoholic version of that, that tastes worse. I don't want anything to do with that. Hey man, these things are only like a hundred calories. Health. <laughs> Health is wealth. As you know, yeah. I'm watching my figure. That's true. You are. I'm happy for you. For those who don't know, I've tweeted about it enough. I hit my goal weight today. Um, so I celebrated a little bit with mm-hmm. a cheat meal and some alcohol, but we ain't done yet. We're keeping going. Jake used to be a fat kid. He's not so fat no more. Um, but I'm going to move on to my second drink here. Um, so Kyle, if you want to pull up the document before I introduce my topic. Yeah, absolutely. Let me get up. on top of my life here. All right, let's hear it. So this is called Quirk Spiked and Sparkling. And the flavor is strawberry, lemon, and basil. And it is ringing in at 4.2% alcohol. This episode is going to be very light on the alcohol. Strawberry, lemon, and basil, you said? Correct. Good for your final number on the fruit smash? Uh, 7.4. 7.4. Jesus. Yeah. So, so, like I said, seltzers are on a different scale to me than beer, even though we're rating just, them all on the same scale. Seven four just beat out two of your stouts from the previous episodes. I'm kind of surprised about that. Yeah. So, like I said, it's a separate, even though we're rating them on the same scale, it's a separate scale in my mind. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, you have to rate, we're obviously rating everything on a, on a 10 scale, but, you know, yep. it, it, did like appeal to my taste buds more than two of those stouts did. Like, like we talked about last week, those stouts really disappointed me. The names and the descriptions made them sound like they were going to be so much better than they were. Yeah, and that's they true. Weren't they didn't that, have they weren't as- So for the audience too, what we wanted to do originally, or at least try to kind of cater to was to try to get some of the same drinks, but there's just such a vast difference in the regional things that we have available to us. Mm-hmm. So unless we're just literally going to pick up like your Bud Light seltzers off the shelf, then we're not going to be able to do that, which kind of sucks because we have a mismatch uh, scale here for everybody to kind of witness like where we're completely just one person's opinion on each drink. But so it I, is what it is. I think if we were to do like one drink an episode, I think we could pull it off because then we could just go to like the regular beer section of, you know, your, for you, total wine, for me, Benny's, like we could just go to the beer section, pick out a four pack and call it a day. Yeah. Um, and I, or if you look up like the places, like I have a couple of places like me around me that I was talking about that sell, they have like just a huge selection. Like the, I told you the place that I got two of these stouts from that I'm super excited to try. They had 60 stouts alone and yeah, that's, that's not wild. counting their sour beers, their, you know, their Sisons, their, their lagers, their everything, you know, they have over 200 different alcohols that you can purchase. Um, and that place, it's a little bit pricier cause you purchase by the can, but, right. um, you know, it gives you the opportunity to try some different things. So I think if we limited ourselves to one drink an episode or one, you know, one brand, we could probably, you know, you go to Benny or you go to total wine while I go to Benny's and we each, uh, you know, pick something out together. I think that might, we might can, uh, we might switch that format a couple of times here and there. Yeah. And I think it's, like you said, I think it's doable if we want to kind of keep it non-regional, but that's kind of the fun in this, right? Is like right. picking up stuff that maybe we wouldn't have ever tried either, but we're going to just because we're on the episode. 
Like I could promise you, I never would have tried any of these in my entire life if it wasn't oh, yeah. the fact that I'm doing this podcast. So I mean, I I like seltzers and probably same because I just I stick to White Claws. They're my favorite of like the major ones, um, White Claws. And then I haven't had them yet, but I've heard really good things about the Corona seltzers. But yeah. Um, anyways, we'll get into my topic here. So this topic actually came to me. This guy I had just a... doesn't want me to have my second drink, so he's gonna. No. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Introduce <laughs> it. Introduce it. That's my bad. Oh, hey, one final plug, by the way. If for those out there, the shout out that don't want kids, use your I'm not having kids money to buy a Tesla because that's what I'm going to do. Facts. <laughs> Cheers to that. All right. So uh, next on my list is only 4%, which is kind of sad, but this one actually looked like it might be good to me. So <laughs> there's some appeal there. Uh, but it's Waveline Pineapple Coconut Seltzer and it's plus electrolytes so Boom. hydrate fancy, light. fancy hydrate while you dihydrate all right so hopefully on, what is that one than the last one because the last one sucked waveline waveline pineapple coconut there, there was a pineapple coconut one at my store at my binnies and i wonder if it's the same one maybe that's what we can do even if we can't get the same one we find like Different brands Similar, that do the same yeah. flavor. Yeah. Well, that's like super hard though with anything other than seltzers. Right. Because we sit there and we try to figure out, you know, like with a stout, like a peanut butter stout, there's a shitload of them. So trying to judge that, it would be a little difficult. Okay, no, the one that was at Benny's was, it was, I think, a Smirnoff one. Okay. I sipped the rim of my can, and it tasted like coconut water to me, and I was not into it. But taking a sip of the actual drink itself, it tastes better, because you get the coconut a little bit more um, than what I did on that first sip. So this is, this is better than the last one. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you like basil, but this almost doesn't taste like a seltzer. It almost tastes like a really light cocktail. Like it's got some okay. more flavor to it. So this might this one might yeah, be a sure. little bit more up your alley. But to introduce my topic, so I actually had a completely different topic picked out for this week. And then I was cooking earlier today. And Jess was like, you and Kyle should talk about this on the podcast. So my favorite food in the entire world is steak. I love okay. steak. I love all kinds of steak. So what I want us to do is talk about one our favorite cuts of meat. So our favorite cuts of steak, you know, give us like a top three. Yeah, yeah. I want you to talk about the best steak that you've ever had and your favorite way to eat slash prepare steak. If you cook it yourself. Okay. See, it was funny when Jess brought this up, I was literally like, Oh, I have my answer for everything. wonder if you have to think about it at all. I don't have to think about it. I think this was easy. I don't uh, actually, I'm not as big of a steak person as you. Uh, I think it took me a long time actually into my adult life to grow adult taste buds. <laughs> I have been a picky eater for a majority of my life. And so I do enjoy steak now as an adult, uh, but it, I'm kind of set in my ways, creature of habit when it comes to my steaks. So I'll let you go first as the fanatic and then I'll, I'll fill in after you. All right. So my, so my third favorite cut of steak is filet mignon. Obviously it's super tender. It's one of the most expensive, more popular cuts of steak that are out there. Um, to me though, I like fattier steaks. I love, you know, fat is flavor, especially when it comes to steak. Um, 
I hate the just, texture of fat. It makes me want to throw up. Oh, so. see, if you cook it right, it just melts in your mouth. It's just like butter. Everybody says that. And to me, it's just like this nasty chunk of shit in your mouth that you ever can't ever make it through. Well, I can tell you as a man who had steak for lunch, you definitely <laughs> can make it through it. Um. So yeah, so filet mignon is my number three. My number two is New York strip. I love me a good New York strip. It's got the nice, the nice, you know, rim of fat on it. You just, you, you caramelize the fat down a little bit. You give it a nice little sear. It's like an extra layer of butter on top of the steak. It's ooh, so good. And then my number one, as a guy who loves fat in his steak, it's ribeye. You cannot beat a perfectly cooked medium rare ribeye steak. Just follow literally any of the rep- recipes that you find online. Gordon Ramsay's is perfect. You reverse sear the steak, you throw it in the oven, depending on how, thick the steak is is how long the temperature you get a pan a a cast iron skillet ready a little bit of butter a little bit of thyme some garlic rosemary you get the steak you baste it oh you can't beat a you can't beat a perfectly cooked ribeye nothing nothing (laughs) compares all right man uh i'll take it from there in terms of the cuts that i enjoy the most but first i'm gonna throw a big shout out to gordon ramsay since you brought him up for cooking i am a gordon ramsay fanatic even though i'm not a good cooker uh, and what I do make all the time is Gordon Ramsay's burgers. He has like a 10 minute yes. video on YouTube and they're so good. So good. I, so I don't put any of the toppings or anything that he does on it because yeah, I'm a super plain eater on burgers, but I've followed his recipe for like, uh, my parents have meat a meat blend. Yeah. My parents have a yeah. meat grinder at their house. So when I've been there, we, we've ground our own beef. Um, and then, you know, we make our own patties with it. the way that he cooks it, the way that he seasons it, bastes it, all of that, you know, I've, I've, done all of that and it truly is like one of the best burgers out there that you can make that's one of the hardest things for us to do here is so like when i lived in the midwest still you could go anywhere and get all those different cuts of meat and here it's like everywhere that you go every grocery store i I think you'd have to specifically go to like a meat locker or like something dedicated to meat in order to get those cuts yeah you'd probably have to go to a butcher for me i can go to i can go to jewel and i can get most of it i can go to uh, we have this place local to us called Tony's and I can get it. I mean, even Costco, Costco has a it phenomenal, phenomenal meat selection. It is not good in Arizona. Let me tell you. Perks of the Midwest, <laughs> baby. Yeah, dude, no doubt. Absolutely. One of the like few my things uncle, we have right. My uncle lives in Texas and he drives to Iowa every time he goes home so that he can take a cooler and go buy like a quarter cow. Yeah. And then he just drives it all back home. That's what my parents used to do when we were younger. We haven't done it in quite some time. And if, but I, I've told my parents repeatedly, I was like, if you guys want to go and get like a quarter cow or a half cow, I will buy, you know, a standalone like brick freezer just for just yeah. for steaks, just for different cuts of meat. It's so good. Absolutely. But I'm going to roll into mine now. So at number three, and you're probably never going to have heard of this and neither will have anybody else. But when you come down to visit, we're going to have to make these for you one night. And if I don't already have it on the list of shit that we're going to do, I'm going to add it. But ugly steaks from Dickman's are the greatest fucking things on the planet. It is a tender, tender, tender steak. And they, uh, the way that they season them, I don't know, honestly, what they do behind the counter. But they are just delicious. And then you can buy seasonings from this same place. And you can get, uh, or once you just, it's kind of like a dry rub, I guess, more than a seasoning. And you just season it up with that. And it is an amazing steak. I don't even know if you can, I think it's uh, probably pretty local to Arizona because I hadn't ever seen 
never seen this before. I had a couple of friends that brought these over one night when we had some friends over to make food. Uh, and they're like, you guys want ugly steaks? We're like, what the fuck is an ugly steak? And they're like, oh, you're going to love it. I'm like, all right, man, whatever. Bring them over. Turns out they're actually kind of expensive. But uh, I think it's like $12 a steak, maybe. Yeah, it says, so I, I looked it up on the Tucson Foodie. And they're yeah. talking about a, a, an ugly steak is about $11 a pound. Yeah, that sounds about right. But they are amazing. It is such a good steak. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not a huge steak person. But there's a, a they're the easiest steaks to prepare, and even if you overcook them a little bit, they stay tender from what I've seen, yeah. and they are fantastic. They look pretty good, just from what I've. You'll have them come down for sure. Absolutely, yeah. be added to the list. You'll as a steak person, I think you're gonna love them. Uh, second on my list is sirloin, because I'm a basic ass bitch and I don't like fatty steak and tender yep. steak, and so sirloin to me is just it's it's an easy go to and it's cheap. So if yeah. you want, if you're gonna have like a hey, I just want a steak tonight. Whether you're gonna cook it yourself or go out and eat it, sirloin's the way to go, in my opinion. I was gonna say sirloin's probably the steak that I eat the most, just because yep. of the cost. It's so much yep. cheaper than I. You know, ribeyes are like a treat for me because they are, you know, twelve to depending on where you, what grade of meat or where you get them, you're looking at twelve to twenty five, thirty dollars a pound. Yeah. So they're definitely they're a treat steak. Yep. Yeah, sirloin. Sirloin's delicious. All right, and then finally on my list is the is um, the most predictable thing that I'll probably say all night, and that's the fillet. Yep. Uh, and it's because of the flavor that comes in a fillet that you don't get in a sirloin. Yeah. Like I feel like there's a bunch more flavor in that meat, but it's the same tenderness. So I get the same like texture as a sirloin, in my opinion, just with a lot more flavor, and it makes it worth it every once in a while for me to get one. I probably have like one fillet a year, honestly. But it's worth it that one time that I spring the extra money and eat a fillet. Again, it's one, so, and that's another thing that I really talk to people about pretty frequently with steaks. Like I talk about how much I eat steak with like my coworkers and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, you fancy. And it's like, <laughs> if I was eating steak out at a restaurant, yes. But steaks, yeah. restaurant price steaks aren't what steaks cost. No. You're paying so much extra for presentation and service yeah. and all of this. Huge like premium. Absolutely. Like you go to a, like a steakhouse and you want a New York strip and you're paying 16 to $25 for like an eight ounce New York strip. Yep. I went to this, the place I was just talking about Tony's. I got USDA choice quality steaks. I got three of them. So it was about almost two pounds of steak and I paid $16. Yeah. Like if you do it, if you buy the steak and learn how to make a good steak yourself, it's so much cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, dude. And I think uh, most cuts of steak are probably going to be affordable if you're doing it yourself. Uh, I inherently am a lazy person when it comes to eating. I just don't like to cook that much. And if I do, I like, I can always, and it's probably just like my own personal bias of like thinking my cooking is worse than restaurants. Cause I know some restaurants make some fucking hugely like shortcutted meals that are just garbage. They just reheat it in the fucking microwave or throw it on the grill for a minute. I'm probably yep. making better quality food than some restaurants, but I just like restaurant food, so. Hey, man, when I'm there, I'll teach you how to make some steaks sometime. <laughs> I'm um, a medium steak person, too, and this kind of rolls into part of your other, um, you know, part of the other uh, side of the topic that you brought up. Uh, and if I'm going to make them at home, I find that I overcook them a lot because I have a tendency to, like, not trust my timing. I'm like, ah, I'd rather have it, like, more done than less done, so I always end up overcooking the shit out of my meat when I make Do you know the hand food. trick? Uh, I think I've been told that before, but I don't cook enough steak to 
yes any sort of technique so with your first finger this part of your so if you this is what just your first your uh, your pointer finger and your thumb this is what a rare steak feels like this is what a medium rare steak feels like this is what a medium steak feels like and this is what a well to uh, medium well steak feels like so you it's can literally just yeah. poking the steak like it's pretty it's not perfect but it's pretty close but also like once you learn how to cook a steak there's a lot of ways around that too. So you can do like a reverse sear method where you're putting it in the oven first. And that's nice because there's so many recipes online. You basically, you season your steak, you let it rest for an hour um, in just on your, on your countertop, get it to room temperature, and then you throw it in the oven. And it's, it's based on the thickness of the cut, how much you want to, you want it to, um, to cook and what temperature you want it to cook at you take it out you let it you dab it dry so you get all the moisture off of it and then while that whole time you're heating up a pan with you know your garlic your butter your rosemary and then it's a quick like minute and a half two minutes sear at absolute most on each side to get a nice crust on it and that's like a perfect medium rare steak pretty much every time that you do it if you're buying thick enough steak yeah. um but when i so like when i say that your favorite way to eat a steak for me my favorite way to eat steak is either just as a steak, you know, by itself with, with a couple sides or steak tacos, like steak tacos get me every, I am a burrito yeah. fanatic. I will eat burritos before I eat tacos most days, but steak tacos absolutely yeah. hit different. Are you a big carne asada style steak yes. guy too, where it's just like steak, onion, cilantro, about it, taco? So I don't do Mexican style tacos. I don't really like eating onions. I love the taste of onions, but I don't like Mexican eating onions. Taco. <laughs> so, okay. So most of, okay, let me clarify here. Most of the restaurants, at least in the Midwest, at least where we're from, if you order a Mexican style taco, it means you want cilantro and onion. That's just the only two toppings that come on the taco. I am very basic with the way that I eat my food. And I get my my tacos with cheese and cilantro. I don't get onions because I don't like eating. I love the taste of onions, but I don't like eating onions. It's a texture thing for me. I'm a weird texture eater. Same. But but yes, I do. It's surprising to me that you're saying that you're eating fucking mouthfuls of fat on steak as a texture yeah. person. Because the if you cook, I'm saying if you cook it right, it just melts. My thing with the most like vegetables in general is you get like a bite and then a mush. Like a, yeah. a snap and then the mush. And I don't like that. And I, but if you cook fat right, you don't get that. If you if you if you caramelize it the right way. But I digress. But so if I'm eating tacos, yes, I do really like carne asada tacos. I do my own carne asada style marinades. You know, you get a little corona in there, some Worcestershire sauce, onion, you get some garlic, you get a little bit of chili spice in there, some lime. It's a great marinade on a little skirt steak, you chop it up, eat some tacos with it. But steak tacos are absolutely like my favorite way to eat, eat steak. If I'm not eating like a, just a, a steak on a plate. The irony of West calling a category of taco skin style. <laughs> That's just, it's what it is around here. It's I don't, just, it's like hilariously ironic to me. If you go to any of the Mexican restaurant and say, I want three steak tacos, Mexican style, they know exactly what you mean. Like, it's just, it's just a thing in the Midwest. I don't know why, but we could take you around a couple of places here too, because there's a lot of, a lot of Mexican food. So the, the odd thing, honestly, I could probably do a whole episode on this, but the odd thing for me is that I'm a Tex-Mex person. Mm -hmm. I think you can't get better Mexican food than Tex-Mex. That's what so many people say. 
Well, it's interesting because we can get very authentic Mexican food everywhere here. And I don't like most of it. It's like as authentic as you can get it. And I just don't think it's good. <laughs> so that's just down a lot buds, to man. You, but well, I think oh, it's Jet, like, Jess is so of, excited. You find a lot of bland, authentic Mexican here. It's just not. Yeah, I don't think that's authentic Mexican food done because I have like so I have a bunch of. (laughs) Yeah, but no. So I think they do Americanize it a little bit like they're like Jess and I have a lot of coworkers and a lot of friends who are Hispanic and they, they cook different dishes for us. And bland is not a word that fits with any authentic Me- Mexican Dude, dish that I, I have. I think it might just be Arizona Mexican food. I shit you not. I think it's so fucking weird. And Carly and I both agree like universally that it's not, first of all, it's not good. Second of all, it's just super weird that it's so bland. Yeah. Like I, I have never had like everything that I eat that my coworkers have brought in, you know, even from something like as basic as guacamole, like my coworkers guacamole is the best guacamole that I've ever had. Sorry, Kimberly, my mom, if you ever hear this, you're going to be offended. <laughs> But my coworker, Stephanie, she makes the best guac that I've ever had. It's so good. It's the perfect spice to garlic, cilantro, onion, tomato, like everything. It's ooh, it's so good. But bland is not a word that fits Mexican food yeah, to it's me. Weird. Like it's, it it's, is weird. You'll, you'll see when you get here, man. It's so fucking weird. I'm probably going to be so disappointed, but I'm so you ready will. to eat it you anyway. Because we both love Mexican food. And then we came here and it's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. I'm. Uh. Um, I feel like I'm an outlier too sometimes because I'll talk to people and they're like, what do you mean you don't like the food here? And I'm like, how do you? Yeah, you're like, like, what do you like about it? As somebody that also came from the Midwest, Midwest, I'll be interested in your opinion when you get here. I think the best Mexican food is in Chicago, Illinois. No, I'm kidding. But (laughs) Hey, there's actually surprisingly some really good Mexican food in the Midwest. There is. Now that I've been, I've traveled a little bit around just the states in general and I've had Mexican food everywhere I've gone. And I've found, first of all, Texas is by far my favorite Mexican food. It'll never change. But uh, there is some pretty good stuff in the Midwest, and uh, you, I mean, people. I think people would be surprised at the the quality of food that you can get. But I think that goes back into the, like the quality of ingredients. And in, in the Midwest, yeah. you're gonna get fresh, pretty much everything because yeah, you're, you're getting fresh steak, from. it's fresh meat, fresh everything. Yeah, you're getting fresh corn for the tortillas. You're getting yeah, it's all local stuff. So I, that that probably does make a huge difference, especially around us. There's a lot of uh, taquerias and tortillerias that make their own tortillas in-house or they purchase them from a, a place that makes their own tortillas right down the street so you're yeah. get, even just the tortillas taste a million times better because they are really homemade as opposed to the mission ma- mass-produced ones that you get at your local convenience yep. or your grocery center i'll close out this topic by just saying that i really only eat steak if it's just a steak that's yeah. the only way that i'll pretty pretty much eat it because i think when you get steak tacos it's generally super super overcooked steak yeah, that like people does. chop it up into super small pieces and just cook the shit out of it. Yep. And I think that it tastes fine, but it's not the reason that I want steak, which is to have like a nice tender medium piece of steak. So I, I yep. pretty much just eat steak. If I'm going to get tacos, it's usually chicken or beef. So I was going to ask, where do you, yep. what do you get then? Because my backup is Al Pastor. My backup taco, if I don't get steak, is Al Pastor. I don't even know what that means. Uh, it's it's like pork, onions, and it's seasoned really well. I'll make you try them sometime. It's fine. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's move on to the next topic. We have spent quite a bit of time. We've only got about half an hour left. So uh, I'm going to move on to my next drink because I just finished my other one. Uh, this is my most, uh, the one that I'm most excited to taste because of the description of it. Uh, and then it's also 4% alcohol. So hopefully this one's good and I'm impressed by it because I haven't been 
Uh, terribly impressed by the last two. And by the way, I gave this last one a 3.1 for the final rating on it. I will give mine, what I gave my last one, a 7.4. 7.4. I'm going to give this one a 7.5. I think it was a little more flavorful. I okay. if I can if we can find you this one, I think you might actually like it cuz it all, it tastes more like a cocktail than it does a true seltzer. Okay, that's fair. I'd probably like it a little bit more then. All right, the the last one that I have is called Lone River Ranch Water. And it is a spicy hard seltzer Ooh. with agave, lime juice and jalapeno. So I was gonna drink. I was gonna drink this one, which is which is odd sides black cherry hard seltzer. But since you're drinking an agave seltzer, I almost feel like I should drink one too. Do you have one? Yeah, I do. Hold on. Yeah, you should. So mine is also ranch water. Nice. (laughs) They did not have the spicy one because I distinctly looked for it because I thought that was a super cool idea. So yeah. mine is Ranch Water's Grapefruit Seltzer, 5% okay. alcohol, which is, it's their blue, it's made with 100% blue agave and cane sugar, seltzer water, and then grapefruit juice and natural flavors. Though, here's the thing that always worries me. Serve ice cold. You know why the worst beer is always the one that tells you that you can drink it the coldest? <laughs> it's because cold covers taste which is why whiskey fanatics don't like putting their whiskey on ice because you can't taste as much of it. But I'm this one still smells really good to me. I will say that right off the jump. This has a much better like scent to it than the other two. So I'm one who likes spicy drinks. Um, like, you know, you ever put a little Tabasco in your drink? That's okay. Well, there's certain <laughs> drinks. Uh, Bloody Mary's. There's certain drinks that I've had that have like are served with Tabasco and I've always really liked it. And I like spicy. I love spicy food. Um, I'm the type of guy who can eat a habanero pepper and it's really not that big of a deal. Um, so that sounds super River intriguing too, to me. By the way. Yep. Isn't it? And it's the which one? Uh, grape, uh, grapefruit. Grapefruit. Okay. All right. And I said my topics are going to kind of align very well with each other. And so we can talk about this as little or as much as you want. Uh, But the direct correlation is talking about uh, the Green New Deal is what a lot of people call it. But more specifically, yesterday, a lot of articles just dropped about the, I believe it's $174 billion proposed to go towards infrastructure rebuilding in the United States. And part of that, and the reason that I bring it up, is that a large chunk of that is going back to EVs. And it's not just EVs as a whole. It's going towards uh, bringing EV manufacturers back into the United States and not just the vehicles Mm -hmm. themselves, but the components, the batteries, everything. So there's a huge drive to bring manufacturing jobs to the United States in the bill, as well as instead of giving you a tax credit, they want to give you a credit at time of purchase. So you're literally going to see the cost of the EV drop off, plus possibly federal or state incentives to get that price down even farther, which is obviously going back into our previous conversation is going to be huge for people to enter the market. And they've been targeted or uh, labeled it as targeting, you know, your lower middle-class and middle-class workers to be able to afford to enter this market as well. So I want to know your thoughts on it. Um, If you want to take a look and just kind of look at the breakdown of it, there's a lot of really interesting information in there. Uh, So my big thing there is talking about the, 
EV portion, but I'm happy to talk about all different parts of this because I think it's really interesting. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm definitely like, I've always been an advocate for doing things that move us towards living a, in a greener, greener country. Um, the university that I work at, it's we have a huge focus in sustainability. We recently installed a ton of solar panels that were donated to us on campus to be able to decrease the the carbon footprint of the university as a whole. And I think that, you know, uh, simply just looking at it from like a climate perspective, obviously gas powered vehicles definitely have a huge impact on the climate. And as we're seeing this year, climate change is real. You know, when states like Texas that have never seen freezing temperatures and every single person in the state is worried about their pipes bursting and they're living in houses that aren't prepared for it. Like, I think that's something that definitely has kind of started to, you know, maybe be maybe people are starting to realize the impact that, you know, gases are having on this planet. Um, but even just from like, so like you're saying, bringing those jobs back to America, like people, there's definitely people out there who would want to fight against, uh, you know, they don't think climate change is real. They don't think that, you know, global warming is real. Um, yeah. But even just from a bringing jobs back to America perspective, like I think that's something that everybody can kind of get on board with. Like yep. obviously, you know, being that we're Americans, I think you and I are probably more open to, you know, you know, people all around the world, you know, mattering just as much as Americans do. But obviously we want people that are in our country to have jobs and have jobs that can put food on their table and they're not having to work two or three jobs and eight yeah, to hundred hours a week just to pay the bills and feed their families. Like, you know, even just from bringing people back to, you know, bringing jobs back to the States. And not only that, like if you bring jobs back to the States, that's giving more people the opportunity to afford these nicer cars because they're at better paying jobs than they otherwise would have been because these manufacturing jobs as uh, to an extent, they are going to require some level of skill, but like you could hire a lot of people out of high school and teach them how to work in an assembly plant or teach them how to work in a factory setting. Yeah. And most of them are probably going to be able to pick it up pretty quick. And yeah. when you consider that, like a, a big portion of it is still going to be like assisted by machinery. Like you don't even necessarily have to worry about like the heavy lifting as much or like the strain it's going to put on your body. Cause there's resources to help out with all of that in the, in the setting as well. So to me, this just seems like a huge win for the country. It seems like overall, like we should be more apt to be putting money back into our country. Like if we're spending $174 million or $174 billion to bring jobs to the people of our country, like I don't I see how it's really quick too, that. That it's a $2 trillion bill, but $174 billion is going towards EV. So I was, I was just need to clarify what we're talking about here and specifically in the 174 billion uh, portion, it's bringing those jobs back to America. And I can't agree with you more, dude. I think obviously we, we politically align pretty well, but I think it's hard for you to be against bringing jobs back to, to the United States from a political perspective. And I think that's going to be huge for expanding the base. So I think strategically it is a very important decision from the current administration to try to expand their base, uh, but not to get too much into the politics of, of, you know, who's doing this for what I kind of just want to talk about the different components of this as well. So obviously I am massively into the EV portion of this. I think it is fantastic. And I'm super excited for it because now that I'm talking about the potential to build or to buy an EV, 
Uh, I, I'm going to wait for this to get farther along in the process and see what this bill turns into so that I can make a decision on when I'm going to do it. So I can hopefully get some of the benefits of this bill as well. Uh, but the next thing that I find the most exciting about, about this bill, and I'm, I'm curious on your perspective, is that there is a huge chunk of money in this dedicated to railways or yep. passenger railways more specifically. And I've been trying to find the article all day that I saw last night when I was starting to read more of this. But Amtrak is expanding or is wanting to expand where their tracks go with a bunch of different hubs so that you can actually travel on a passenger railway. And part of it, too, is starting to look towards high-speed railways, which would be awesome. And you talk about increasing competition for airlines, too, which isn't a bad thing. And also, I could hop on a train based on the way that they were trying to expand this. I could take a train from either here to Phoenix if I wanted to, which would be super quick and fun. Or I can hop on a train, go from Tucson, somewhere in Texas, either I think it was like San Antonio or Austin or something like that, and head straight to Iowa from there. So there's a ton of opportunity for travel for everybody. And it went through pretty much every state, I think, except for some of the like central, like Northwestern states. Mm. And so, you know, obviously like all the mountainous states that are less populated aren't going to benefit from this probably at all. But uh, for the most part, it takes like the entire South East coast and West coast uh, are all covered by the potential expansion of the Amtrak, which I think is going to be super awesome as well. Yeah. So I pulled up like the full breakdown. I don't know if this is, I'm looking at this now. This is just the transportation infrastructure side of things, but even like, like you look at this and nobody should really be complaining about anything that's on here. Like, So modernizing bridges, highways, roads, and main streets that are in the most critical need of repair. We all hate it when we drive over a pothole. The jar, we know we might have messed up the rims to our cars. We might have popped a tire. Like, that's very clear. Like, nobody really cares about that. As long as the construction doesn't last four years like it does in the state of Illinois, people aren't going to care too much about it. Modernizing public transit, double federal funding for public transit. Maybe people will complain about that. I don't see why. Buses no, are dude. super important. Um, they're, That's they're, the thing, though. It's not buses, dude. It's not just buses. Like, we are literally talking about so many different things yeah. here. In Chicago, and- you're looking at, like, the red line, the blue line, brown line. Like, you're looking at the various train structures that are in there. You're looking at, um, you know, public-sponsored, you know, shuttles. You're looking at the buses. You're looking at a little bit of everything. The United States is so far overdue for an, a modernization of our public transit system that this is this is the first step in the right direction, I think, in order to get that to be a thing. Like, I don't... I don't think that I would drive nearly as much if there was some sort of legitimate and reasonable public transportation that I could take all over the place. I just, I, yeah. what's the I point in spending 40, 50, $60,000 on a car when you can take a public transit that's probably got some sort of a monthly or yearly pass or whatever that you can buy. And then not only do you get the op, you know, the benefit of not having to pay all the costs associated with owning your own vehicle, but it frees up time too. like yeah. your daily life. Like you take, a train ride to work or a bus ride to work or whatever your public transit picket, you know, it is, you can listen to, not that you can't listen to a podcast in your own car, but you could also like read books, eBooks, whatever mm-hmm. you want to do. And like, there's a lot of opportunity for you to make better use of your time in transit. If you're taking public transportation as well. Well, and so back to your point, like just from a cost perspective, like even if it costs you $5,000 a year to use public transportation, you're, if you're looking at a $30,000 car, that's six years worth of taking public transportation, not counting what you're paying for gas, what you're yep. paying for car insurance, what you're paying for any repairs, when yep. you need new tires, you know, you're saving a ton of money from that. But also like you're saying, like, 
especially being in Illinois, like we use the Metro system here so frequently. I absolutely hate city driving. It gives me such bad anxiety from a person who already has too much anxiety. Like driving in Chicago literally gives me nightmares. Like if I know I'm going to the city, I think about it for three days and how I'm going to probably wreck (laughs) my car. And I've never been in a car accident, which is like (laughs) to make it even better. But like, I don't hate city driving as much as you, but yeah, I get it. But we'll take the the metro into the city, and then from there, from the metro station, we'll take a shuttle. Say we're going to Wrigley. Say we're going, you know, to a Hawks game. They have shuttles that go straight from the train station to the ballpark. Especially yep. for the Cubs games, it's fucking mint because yep. you can drink on the train, you can drink on the metro. That's legal. And then when you, there's shuttles that are like ten bucks, they'll take you directly to Wrigley, but they purposely take the long way, and it's ten dollars for that. And it's all they'll have a cooler full of beer, and it's all you can drink while you're in there. So me being me, I'll slug back five or six cores lights when I'm in a 30 minute car ride. Get to the ballpark, I don't have to spend twelve dollars on a beer like yeah. you do at Wrigley, you know. Yep. Um, but even but just giving people the option of having like various public transportation, like you go to other cities and like they have the city is the one who is setting up like the scooters for people to go around with, or we went yep. to Jess and I went to Charlotte, North Carolina, and they have a, a state run or a city run, at least bike system where you can rent out these bikes for a minimal cost. And you can use the bikes to get around town, like just little things like that, that improve the quality of life for the people that actually live there. Um, and, and then like, you look at some of the other things that are in here too, like upgrading airports, 25 billion. We all want airports to be better and yeah. quicker. 20 billion to improve road safety. We all don't want to get into car accidents when we're on yeah, the road. Or have most of what I've safe. talked about in this bill has just been, you know, transportation wise, but you talk about included in this is the hundred billion dollars to expand high speed broadband, which if you're mad about that, you're wrong. Like hundred billion is, to is, upgrade public schools. Like dude, people who, are so angry to, or people, I mean, uh, by the, your, uh, your internet companies right now are super angry about the, like the possibility of this expansion because it's going to, stop them from trying to fuck you over so bad when it comes to your internet speeds. Like they have the capability right now to give you so much better speeds, but why do that when they can just charge you a massive premium if you want that? And part of this is helping to structure that or to uh, make that more accessible to everybody as well. I really hope the mic didn't pick up that Bert, but I feel like it did. Um, I definitely heard it. Nice. Um, But yeah, like if you, so where I live, so my wife and I live and work on a college campus and each, every single room, if you hardwire the internet, it's basically gigabit up and down. Yep. There is no reason that if, if one building, one college building, and every single one of the rooms has that capability, there's no reason that every single house in this country does not have gigabit internet at this point. Our yeah, friend- dude, Your broadband companies are just fucking you over. It's a fact. Our friend Dane should not have had to think about paying $2,400 <laughs> to get a line run to his house. Not to say that like yeah. internet should be a right- because I do think obviously like there's a cost perspective to it, yeah. but even if it's a monopoly in your area, even where there's only one internet provider, if that's the case, like where I grew up, we could only have Mediacom. That was the only internet mm-hmm. provider that worked in our area. That's yep. bullshit. But even if that's the case, they should be providing the best service that they can because they're the only option. And having like an upgrade like this, that's basically requiring every single company and giving them the funds to upgrade their infrastructure. There's no problem with that in my book. Yeah. I'm not advocating for state run, you know, or like federal government run internet and broadband. That's not what I'm advocating for. 
Uh, like you said, it's I don't think accessibility is necessarily an inherent right uh, to that level of speed. I do think there's an argument to be made for the the right now or the necessity rather for like general access, uh, especially with the way like right now in COVID times that with schooling, mm-hmm. you are disproportionately affecting poor and lower income families if you are moving towards virtual learning. And so I think there is a conversation now to be had about having access as a whole to the internet, but not necessarily, you know, like gigabit, because obviously there's there, yeah. there can be some sort of a cost associated with that uh, in terms of, you know, allowing people access to higher bandwidth or higher speeds or whatever. And you can, you can charge that premium, but that's a different topic as well. Uh, and I don't want to dive too far down that road. Yeah. I mean, I think to, to wrap it up, like, if you look at this bill, like I've seen like nothing but positives in here. Like yeah. everything is being, and nobody should really see a negative. If you're really looking at what the, the funds are going for in this bill, everything is going towards improving the country that we live in. And whether you're on the left or the right, whether you're, you know, right in the middle, everybody wants selfishly, everybody wants to improve the place that they live. Everybody wants to improve the country that they live in. They might have different ideas of what improving that means, but this bill does nothing but improve the country as a whole and just increase accessibility to a lot of these things that just certain places don't have access to. Yeah. And my only final comment too, just to kind of mention like the only devil's advocate comment that I'd probably hear uh, from a majority of people is like, well, how are we going to pay for this? Like, I don't want to raise my taxes. And uh, the funny thing about it is, is hundred percent of this, where a majority of this is going to be paid for by a corporate tax raise. And everyone's like, well, why should corporations be getting charged? For? And, you know, like the devil's advocate argument here. But the thing is, is that the Trump tax cuts took in that happened in 2017, decreased uh, taxes. I can't remember the exact percentage, but either way, the tax rate increased to 28% is still less than they paid before the tax cuts by Trump. So you're, you're not going back to pre-Trump tax rates. You're just going up a little bit from what he lowered it to in order to pay for some massive improvements for the entire country. So sorry, corporations, I have no problem with that. Yeah. Uh, you look at the money, like these comp- these companies made money, at least the largest corporations like made money during this pandemic. Like oh, yeah. if, if corporate taxes go up a little bit, like I'm probably the last person who's going to feel sorry for them. Yeah. Part of the bill too is closing some of those tax loopholes so that they can stop skirting all their taxes because let's be honest, corporations don't pay taxes at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, it's trying to close some of those loopholes so they pay some tax, which is going to allow everybody else to benefit. All right. Well, now that we've got our political uh, segment of the podcast over with. And honestly, I don't even mean that to be terribly political. I just no, and it's want to talk about how awesome some of the things are in this bill and that people should know about. Uh, and like even too, like I know we're closing this topic out, so I'm sorry for diving back into it. But uh, part of that too is like expanding infrastructure for EV charge stations even. So yeah. you're like, you're talking about accessibility to somebody to not have to like you if you're living in an apartment at the time you don't necessarily have to get one installed somewhere and you you now have the access because there's going to be more charge points that are accessible to you so you don't have to have your own uh, so there's, there's just a lot of cool stuff in the bill so i think it's worth talking about yeah no definitely and i i'm joking a little bit about the political side of things like you and i both know like that's not something that we're not afraid to talk about but anything that inherently comes from the government has a political background to oh, yeah, it and 100 you know, political bias is always going to come forth a little bit. But even as you stated, like, 
what these companies are going to pay is not what it's less than they were even paying before the previous administration. Yeah. Like it, you're just looking at a different, it's, it's, it's coming in a different way than the companies have had to deal with the last couple of years. And, yeah. you know, there's obviously a political side to basically every argument in the world. Um, but it's important to touch on and it's a, it's a great topic of conversation to bring to the table. Yeah. All right. Let me grab my last one for the evening. All right. I will give that last one a six, eight. The initial taste was really good on it. It left a little bit of a weird aftertaste for me. It threw, okay. which, which dropped the score down a little bit. I love grapefruit and I, I like most of what that drink was, but this one, unsurprisingly based on everything that I said, just looking at it and then the smell of it, everything being better about this one to me as well. So I think I'm going to give this one a five, one. Ooh. Uh, which is probably the highest. We broke the fives. I didn't think we were going to get past four. I'm glad that I did it in the order that I did too, and not the reverse, so that I wasn't just more and more disappointed that I'm actually yeah. like increasing so that my was... opinion on the seltzers too, because this is, this one's definitely much, much better. I'm not chugging it because I'm trying not to take a bathroom break in this podcast, <laughs> but it's it's definitely better. All right, so my last one is the one that I was previously mentioning, Oddside Black Cherry Hard Seltzer. I am an absolute slut for anything cherry flavored. Um, so here we go. Zero carbs, zero carbohydrates, which is a lie. Um, if you don't know, alcohol itself is sugar based and comes from carbs. Um, so that's a lie. But what's the percentage on that one? It is hiding, hiding, uh, 5%. Okay. So based off of quick math in my head, that's roughly, I mean, there's 110 calories. They have to come from somewhere. They're mostly coming from alcohol, which is sugar. So basically <laughs> carbs. It's fine. About yeah. five grams of carbs. Quick math. Quick but math. this is the, just off of pour alone, this is the fizziest one that I have had tonight. So we'll see how that fares. Um, so my last topic of conversation, it's something uh, much less serious than, than Kyle's uh, levels of conversations. Don't worry. Um, I definitely have some serious conversations and serious podcasts that I do want to bring to the table um, at various different points here. Um, I think a lot of the serious ones that I want to do too, this one's just kind of fun for me, but a lot of the serious ones I think I'm going to try to do with uh, when we're able to have a guest. Because I don't want to, first of all, I'd like to have guests that have opposite opinions of us because we're so closely yes. tied in opinion that I like to have uh, an opposite argument there to kind of give a perspective as well. But I uh, don't want to cut you off too bad. So go ahead. No, you're good. And I think those serious topics almost deserve an episode of their own to an extent. Like, yeah, sometimes. I'm sure we could probably have spent an hour and a half just breaking down that infrastructure bill and talking about every little thing that's in there. Um, sure. But for me, um, to wrap it up, something a little bit fun tonight. Um, so I am a, a sucker for marketing and I'm a sucker for advertising. So I want to know what are the five best commercials that you have ever seen? Oh God, or, dude, I hate commercials. This is going to be hard for me to even try to figure out. Even just, even, it could be even as simple as like the five commercials that stuck in your head, whether that's a jingle, whether that's a dumb joke that they made in the commercial. Like I want your top five Ad, or even here, let's let's rephrase it. What five corporations do you think are the best at marketing? What are what are things that comp that five companies have done that have truly like dragged you into their product as being like, yes, I will spend extra money for you. Oh, you know what's one of my favorite commercials of all time? Now that I think about it, is 
the freaking I think I don't know if it's Pillsbury. You'll you'll probably know better than me since you brought this topic up. But what's the one where it's the two old people and they're like the buttery flaky crust and they can't say it right? You know what commercial I'm talking about? Yes, yes, I know. That's one of my favorite ones of all time. I think that is Pillsbury. That was a fantastic marketing scheme. I like that a lot. Buttery flaky crust. Fluttery bakey. Oh dang it. No, that to... wasn't even Pillsbury. That was, if I'm looking at this right, that was just some like random restaurant. Was it really? That's funny. But yeah, it was literally so famous for so long. Yeah, no, it was like a random restaurant in this random city that was making a commercial. That's hilarious, dude. But even like, that, I'm like, we're gonna know anything about that fucking restaurant, but I'll remember the commercial. Sometimes those little like meme things, though, are the things that stick in your head, like Jones Barbecue and Foot Massage. Like that sticks in my head years later. If you've I never heard of that, you are missing out. You need to look up that video right now. But it's literally like a guy who made a commercial for his his barbecue restaurant, which also gave foot massages. Like it makes no sense. But like little things like that can really stick in your head and really like change your mind about what the product is. Sorry, I'm trying to look this up right now. <laughs> Jones barbecue foot massage. Hey. Well, since Kyle has to look a couple things up here, I'll talk about a few of my all time favorite commercials. Um, so one of my personal favorite companies when it comes to advertising all time is Budweiser. Budweiser absolutely kills it when it comes to the advertising game. Um, if you, if anybody remembers specifically the puppy love commercial that they released in 2014, where there's a dog that's going around the dog, the little puppy. It's so cute. It's hanging out with the, the Clydesdales. It's just like the little, the, the Budweiser has absolutely murdered the marketing game from the Clydesdales. Where I grew up, actually, in our town is where the Clydesdales were kept. Like a lot of the Clydesdales that were in the commercials were kept literally two miles down the road from my house. So, you know, it's it's a maybe a little bit of a local thing for me, too. But the Bud Light commercials, you can't lie to me and say that Dilly Dilly didn't make its way yep. into your life in one yep. shape or form. The, oh, the commercials okay. with all the nights that you know all the knights that were drinking bud light or they were going to war over bud light like you can't tell me that like didn't that wasn't funny that, was or that wasn't yeah, like that a was great good. piece of marketing like they budweiser absolutely kills it when it comes to their marketing game the jones barbecue and foot massage by the way is hilarious that was it so is good. it is absolutely one of the funniest commercials of all time i think i found out about it through like tosh point like oh, yeah it's funny because one of the the best ones that i can even think of right now companies wise for marketing and i can't even think of a specific commercial is doritos yes the doritos super bowl commercials are always on point too they do a really good job of advertising and making it hilarious they're on the list for me too just because ex exactly like you said like you may not remember the exact commercials that they created but everybody knows that every year during the super bowl you're going to get a doritos commercial and it's going to be hilarious trying to see what some of the other ones are uh there's a couple that i'm recognizing but i they're just like not clicking back with me that much the one that does is the the old reebok office linebacker commercial which was yes almost 20 years ago now 
uh, somehow, but that one was really funny. Um, some other Betty White com- with the Snickers commercial was priceless. Yes. That was a that- solid marketing scheme. Yeah. That's still people still do like references to those. Like if you're hungry or uh, you're not you and you're hungry uh, comments or whatever. The the classic Coca Cola Mean Joe Green commercial that has been parodied to death at this point by various different companies. Yeah. Thanks, Mean Joe. Yep. That one's a classic. Um, I look at uh, Super Bowl commercials because that's kind of where I actually watch commercials. So I'll see if I can find some that I. I know so many say. people that literally watch the Super Bowl. They don't. They hate football, but they watch it for the commercials specifically. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's like one of the better parts that people uh, reference of the Super Bowl. Like like you said, especially if you're not a sports fan, that's that's what people end up going to. Most of these I don't recognize or remember. Uh, Puppy Love's on here, like you said. That's a good one. But the majority of these I've... Oh, they had that... Volkswagen did that Star Wars commercial. That one was okay. A lot of these, I really... I have no fucking clue what these commercials are. All right, so obviously the commercial thing maybe needed a little bit of research, but what are so what are a couple more companies that you think do a phenomenal job of advertising? And because of their advertising, you've either purchased their product or you've like it's helped it's had the company stick in your brain. Dude, I like to think that I'm not a victim of advertising all the time. Oh, I am. I try to pretend like I'm not. I'm sure that I am, like especially with like food. If I see something, it makes me want to go pick up a restaurant uh, or something, you know. But honestly, I just, I, I hate advertisements so much that I go out of my way to like pay for things that are going to keep me away from advertising. Like I don't watch cable. I watch Netflix. I don't pay for YouTube premium or anything like that, but most of what I watch is like Netflix or I'll just like go on Reddit and like watch videos or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing things that are not throwing advertising in my face, uh, between you and, Oh dude, I've got one that gets people all the time. Manscaped. Yeah. Uh, so they do a, a legit job just in general advertising. Like they put out some commercials that are like uh, funny and appealing, I think. And then they make their product just sound really, really good in their advertising. I own it. Uh, the whatever the fuck it's called, Lawnmower 2.0. I know. <laughs> yeah, I've got that shit. For, and it's it's almost 100% because of advertising because I bought that or for the reason that I bought that. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. For me, uh, Dr. Squatch. Yeah, and I did it because you... you did it and because of the commercials. Yeah, for me, it's like perfect. the commercials sold me. Like I've, I and I even talked about my talked about this with my wife before I even bought the product. Like I hated using body wash or like the store brand soaps because like you do feel diff, like you feel like this almost like stickiness after you use them. Which yeah. with, I, which with the Doctor Squatch soaps, like I don't get that feeling. Like their cold brew coffee, it smells delicious. First of all. But like, also like I feel I had legit, it's the first product that I've ever used where I legitimately felt clean after I used it. Mm. Like everything else always gave me a super weird feeling to my body afterwards. And, you know, so for for me, they're one of the companies that the marketing like really grabbed me. Like I have a marketing, my, my undergraduate degree is in marketing. I like to think I'm not a victim of it, but I realize that I am in a lot of ways. Um, but Dr. Squatch's products, like for me anyways, they're a step above a lot of things. And if it weren't for how good their marketing or at least how assaulting their marketing is, like 
me running yeah. into a million YouTube ads for Dr. Squatch, like I probably yep. wouldn't purchase their product. Yeah. And I wouldn't have probably pulled the trigger on it either if it wasn't for you becoming a victim of their advertising and then bleeding that over to me. And uh, for me, they're not paying me to say anything. So <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest in my opinion too. And that is, that I think it's fine. I think they smell okay. Uh, a lot of them are very like nature-based scents though, which is something that I wouldn't go for. And I understand they have natural ingredients. And I think you, you went a different route. So like I got the starter pack or whatever, right? Which was three bars and deodorant. I think they're all fine. You went with like the more appealing scents to you, which is what right. in the end I should have done because yeah. then I think I would probably have a higher rating for them, but I think they're just fine to me. And it's not, I will I buy you the cold brew cleanse version of their soap. It is literally the best smelling soap that I have ever used in my entire life. And again, yeah. we're not being paid for this. We, uh, we've been a podcast for three episodes. We're not sponsored by anything <laughs> or anything. Like I legitimately just really like the product and I will repurchase the product because of the quality that I felt I got out of it. Yeah. Um, another company for me that does a phenomenal job of marketing, they don't do commercials. They really don't do YouTube ads, but they do a lot of influencer marketing is Ghost. Ghost, it's a it's a supplement company. They make proteins, oh, yeah. stuff like yeah, that. Um, you look at their ingredient profile. It's not perfect by any means. It's not clinically dosed in a lot of their a lot of their products. Though some of their products are clinically dosed, and they do do a good job with a lot of things. But just their marketing, like the way that they work with influencers, it doesn't really feel like a lot of their influencers are trying to sell you the product like a lot of companies do. Like the influencers are very much like you're getting a really good flavor. Dude, they I, almost, fucking, I hate the modern age of dude. Yeah. That's a podcast topic in itself, but like I hate influencers and I hate how good they've gotten at selling products that I know for a fucking fact they don't use. Yeah. Like, no, you all, can tell you it's can a part tell. of the fucking scripting where they're like, yeah, I obviously use this product. I'm not just saying this because they told me to. And I'm like, I use this product every here. day before they even yeah, contacted me. Like, no, you, I've never heard of this company. So there's no way you ever heard of this yeah, company. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, you know who I think does do a fantastic job of marketing. And it's funny because they got sued for it and lost. Uh, but Red Bull. Yep. I think the Red Bull gives you wings campaign is probably one of the best campaigns of like our lifetime. Like oh, think 100%. About how popular that fucking energy drink went from zero to just one of the most popular energy drinks of all time, if not probably the most popular energy drink. And it's all because of this fucking Red Bull gives you wings campaign. And it's, it's been super successful other than the fact that they got sued. So I swore for years that Red Bull was the best energy drink out there until I looked at like, it's like 90 milligrams of caffeine. Like it's, a, oh, it's yeah. less than a cup of coffee. Yeah. And like, so if you're really looking for energy, like a lot of the other brands, especially now, when you have such a big market with, you know, brands like Monster, Rockstar, Bang, Rain, like there's so many different energy drink companies out there now. And most of them make a better product than Red Bull. Not only is, does it energize you more, but it tastes better. Yeah. I think that you, like what you say right there has shown like what Red Bull did in marketing in the past has made them still a relevant company to this day. Because yeah. I still know people who don't drink energy drinks, but they drink Red Bull. Yep. Like Red Bull is a staple of their day. They do vodka Red Bulls. You know, it's something that they like, they, they cling to, but there's better options out there. Like, and I think that's really what marketing is like, what companies need to realize with marketing is you don't have to necessarily portray yourself as the best. You just have yeah. to portray yourself as good enough for long enough that people realize like, okay, it works for what I need it to do. Yeah. They just need to connect with people on like, 
and I, I, obviously this is no secret, but you just need to be able to connect with people. And if you can do yeah. that in any sort of way, then you're going to be successful in your campaign. Uh, speaking of that, like one of the bigger ones that I think is most more successful in uh, the last couple of decades too, is Jared. Yeah. Uh, he went to Jared, you know, that big campaign was huge for them. And I think they've probably been a very successful company because of the, the way they, there, there, that. there is a country song written by Hardy. He went to Jared. Like they've, they've, they've transcended just being like, a mute like a a jewelry brand to being like involved in movies and being involved in music like just because of again how good their marketing was like they transcended just the field that they they originally started in yeah it's funny because i think we live in a uh, time right now too where it's kind of like come and gone a little bit but like some of the really hype like trend like uh the subscription boxes and shit like that have done like a good job of advertising like hey we're gonna send you clothes every single month and yeah. they do these massive advertising campaigns or, Hey, we're going to send you whiskey every month because you're, we're going to feed your inner man and make you, you know, like people do all these kind of crazy things that get people to buy these subscription boxes that you're paying this massive fucking premium for something that you could probably just go pick up yourself at like a total wine or whatever. But yeah. Uh, it, and you, know, you could just go buy shooters yourself, but those have been extremely successful. I think in what I've seen. And like you said, like the, the fucking modern, Instagram, whatever you want to call it, influencer has made a lot of these stupid products really successful too, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, so like, uh, like the company that you're talking about there with like the whiskey delivery Flavier, um, yep. is probably the most popular company for it. My mom got my dad a membership to it for his birthday one year. And because yeah. of that, I've tried a lot of different whiskeys because he can't drink them all himself. He's got to try them with somebody, you know, but- I did the, uh, whatever the gamer one was for a while where you got like the gamer box every month. Was it loot, loot crate? Loot crate. Yeah. I did loot yeah. crate for a little bit and I could tell you that I was paying way too much for that for oh, the yeah. couple months that I did it. So and that, they just got me based on advertising. That's one that definitely, that was a gotcha for me. I think Flavier does a better job because you actually get like a tangible product where you can like purchase it afterwards. So like you can try different whiskeys out and you can be like, Holy shit. I just found my new favorite whiskey. And yeah. you can, and, and it's not just whiskey. They do whiskey, they do gin, they do tequila, they do mezcal, they do a little bit of everything. So like companies like that, that offer a, a, like a really good product along with their marketing. I think that's what really sets these companies apart. Like yeah. if Dr. Squatch was a dog shit soap, I would tell you that it was dog shit soap. Like, I don't feel that it is that way. Um, if, you know, if, I have golf clubs in the background right now, if TaylorMade, if Titleist, if Ping, like, advertise that they were the best golf clubs in the world and they aren't like people are going to talk about that. Like it's the companies that do advertising well and they have a good product. Those are the ones that really do succeed. I will say that I don't think I've ever seen anybody be honest about the lawnmower 2.0 and that thing nicked the shit out of my nuts one time. So just to be straight up that, uh, that is not like a Nick free product. Like they try to advertise it to be <laughs> like, they're like, Oh, it's so safe. You can do whatever the fuck you want with this thing. That is not true. I was bleeding like a motherfucker. So Hey man, that's just user error. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that's what the thing, right? It's like they're advertising their marketing scheme is like, you can't fuck this up. Like, well, apparently I fucking can. All right. Well, that's really all that I have, um, to wrap tonight up. This is like a six, four, if you like black cherry, the white the white claw black cherry is better. The white claw black cherry would come in as like a seven six for me. It's Don't even give I... me a rating if you're not drinking it. Get out of here. Don't even right. poison our, our rating scale. I mean, you're made up nonsense on the spot. You, okay, that's not made up nonsense on the spot. I've had a million <laughs> white claw black cherries in my life.
I can tell you what the Bud Light Black Cherry ranks at too. That's a six one. Get Bud Light seltzers no are so Stop overrated. It. You're plaguing our list. It's not plaguing. It's honest opinion. Okay. All right, guys, we made it another hour and a half into episode three. So thanks for coming and joining us. It's been another fun episode. Got a couple serious topics in this time uh, to get away from the light stuff for for one episode. So uh, I'll try to bounce back with some light stuff again in the next episode. Uh, Maybe I'll come with some serious stuff. All right, we'll switch it up a little bit. And uh, next week, we're going to be doing Amber Ales. I know if you check us out on Instagram, you can already see the picture posted there of Jake's collection that he went and picked up. Uh, I can probably post mine too, just to kind of give people a heads up of what I'm going to be trying in case people want to follow along and try some of those things out. In addition, I know I already talked to Jake about this prior to the episode. So we're going to talk about our experiences getting the COVID vaccine and talk about why you should also go get the COVID vaccine uh, as a people loving people that you are. So we have both now gotten completely vaccinated. I got my second one today, uh, which is why I don't want to talk about it today. Just because I'm going to give it a couple days to see what my side effects are uh, related to that. So I can kind of bring that back to the audience as well. So yeah, I believe as of today, so the the CDC says you're not officially vaccinated until two weeks after your second Mm -hmm. shot. So as of today, I am fully COVID vaccinated and I am so excited to talk about our experience next week. We're probably only going to bring one topic next week a piece because we are going to spend quite some time going over the vaccine and our experiences with it yep. um, and our experiences with the pandemic in general. Yep. Um, you know, it's going to be a great piece of conversation. I hope you guys do come and check us out. But like Kyle said, thank all of you who took the time to, to watch this video, to listen to us on the platforms that we're available on. It really does mean the world to us. Like we said earlier, we're just two guys who like to get together once or twice a week have a conversation, have a few drinks and just, you know, shoot the shit. And for anybody who likes to listen along with us, that's something that, you know, truly does mean the world to us. So I'll let Kyle wrap it up here, but uh, just again, thank you guys. Make sure you follow us both follow us on uh, you uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like the video. If you like the video, Uh, follow myself on Twitter at Jake Perry 34, follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle and her son. And I'll let Kyle take it away. Yeah, guys, I, that's kind of the plug that I was going to give to you is just follow us on social media as well. So that uh, the big thing, too, and we're going to keep mentioning this in every episode as well, especially as we close out, is that uh, we might have a lot to talk about right now, but eventually we're going to start running out of topics, too. So what we're going to be continuing to do is try to throw some stuff up on Twitter or whatever, get some polls out there and see what you guys want to hear about as well. Uh, so if you have specific topics, throw us out to uh, throw them out to us on any type of social media so that we can bring those to you guys as the weeks go on. Uh, other than that. Every time we have an episode, I write down more and more things that I want to talk about in terms of episodes. So I've got a pretty good list still going, but we're, we're definitely going to need feedback eventually in order to keep producing good to- uh, content for everybody. So thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. That's another episode of Two Average Husbands. See you later, guys. Peace out.